So that's that. You guys can read the rest of what's going on. But uh, I want to talk about prayer this morning. We're in the midst of a series we started a couple of weeks ago. And we're talking about four different prayers that the Apostle Paul (laughs) actually prayed. And my prayer for you during this series has been that you would be adding these prayers to your own personal prayer life. Sometimes, you know, I I think we don't pray because we're not sure what to pray for. And so I'm just helping you out. I'm giving you some some great things to be praying for. These are some ideas, things that would be really good to pray for. (coughs) Excuse me. But uh, in our first week, we learned that we should be praying for, for what? Does anybody remember? Somebody say, say it loud, yeah. Power, yeah, I'm impressed. You remembered two weeks ago. Power, yeah, we ought to be praying for power to understand God's love. And then last week, we we committed to pray, several of us committed to pray, that God would help us to do what? Share our faith, yeah, be active in sharing our faith. And so if you missed either of those weeks, you can catch up. Um, You can either do that through Facebook, um, and you can go to our Facebook page, and you can watch the service there, or you can go to our app, and you can watch the services there, which, which, by the way, um, how many many here have our app on their phone? Oh, a bunch of you. Good, good. If you don't have our app, you need to get it, because there's lots of stuff that uh, you can do on our app, and it's free, uh, but one of the things is all of our messages are archived, and so, you know, like me, I just watch it over and over. No, I don't do that, but you can watch it over again, you know, Um, or you can watch it for the first time and catch up. But anyway, so that's where we've been. Uh, we're, we're, we're praying for power, power to understand God's love, power to know how much that he loves us, and we're praying that God, through his Holy Spirit, would help us to be active in sharing our faith. Uh, the prayer that I want to teach you to pray this morning is a prayer that revolves around the idea of unity. Unity. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of hate to admit this, but if there w- was anybody who needs to be reminded about the importance of unity, unfortunately, I think it's Christians. I think way too often we forget about the importance of, of unity. And it's, it's kind of sad, really, because the people who ought to be the most unified um, unfortunately, must, most of the time, or, or much of the time, appear to be the most disunified group in the world. And, and I mean, that sometimes it just feels like there's absolutely no unity whatsoever. And, so, and, and if you're not sure what I'm talking about, just do this. I mean, just get on social media sometimes. I mean, just, just look at Facebook sometimes. I, I love Facebook, but, but people can be so mean sometimes. And, and even Christians, unfortunately, can be so mean in the comments that we make towards other Christians on Facebook. Um, just this past week, and, and I see this all the time, but just this past week, I saw this post from a friend of mine who's a Christian, and he, in his post, he just was kind of taking a jab at another very well-known Christian author and, and, and speaker. And um, 
uh, and, and it really, it just, it's kind of saddened me when I saw what he had posted, and what really saddened me was um, when I saw all of the comments underneath that were kind of piling on, and it, it saddened me, but honestly, it just kind of made me angry. You know, when I saw it, it was almost like there's blood in the water, and so all the sharks begin to circle and start piling on, and, 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 and I, you know, just because somebody had said something that somebody else didn't necessarily agree with. And then all of a sudden, because of that, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, she used to be really good, but now she's not so good. Or I used to really like her and listen to her, but I don't listen to what she has to say anymore. Or, you know, you used to be able to trust her, and now you can't trust her anymore. And, and unfortunately, this has become kind of the normal dialogue on social media. Um, you know, we won't even get into the political stuff, Right. Yeah, but this has kind of become the norm is that if you say something that I don't agree with or you hold a point of view that I don't agree with, then it's game on and I can say whatever I want, even for Christians when we're talking about each other. And so I think it's good for us every once in a while to be reminded what Scripture says about the importance of unity in the body of Christ because Scripture has much to say about it. That when we are united with Christ, when we become united with Christ, we also become united with each other. That we become part of the same body, that we're, we're united with Christ, and so we become united with each other. In Christ, we are part of one family, that, that we, are, we are family. And when we talk about that family, we're not talking just about the connecting point family, although we are family here in this particular body of Christ, but we are talking about we are family with whoever it is that professes Jesus Christ. And, and one of the purposes of family is not to destroy each other and tear each other apart because you don't see eye to eye on something but rather it's to honor and protect one another because we love one another. And I know some of you are saying this morning, well, obviously you don't know my family. Listen, this is a new family. Whatever your experience has been, Jesus said he came to do a new thing. He came to give new life. And when you, when you get born again, when you get this new life, you get born into a new family. And, and when, you, when you have this new life and this new family, along with it comes this expectation of a new behavior, that, that we can't do all the things that we once did when we weren't a part of Christ, when we weren't a part of his family, because now we operate, our, our motive and everything that we do when we operate is to be out of love and not selfishness. And so it's our responsibility to elevate people rather than tearing people down. We are to elevate people rather than tear them down. And this is so important because, because I'm convinced that one of Satan's greatest schemes, one of the things that he loves to do most, is to cause division in the body of Christ. And why does he do that? Because he knows that if we are united, there is nothing that we cannot do for the glory of God on earth. But if we're divided, we can't do anything. We're, we're, we're ineffective and we're weak. 
And so this morning, we're going to look at a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed that, that really kind of um, just deals with this important idea surrounding the family of God being unified. I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul prayed. It's found in Romans chapter 15, verses 5 through 7. And he prays this. He says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. In other words, Paul says, what my prayer for you is that you guys would just treat each other the same way that Jesus treated you. But what, what, what my prayer is for you, that you would be able to think about each other. When, when, when somebody pops into your mind that is a fellow believer, when you see their face on Facebook, that you would think about each other in the exact same way that Jesus thinks about you. He said, my prayer for you is that you would love each other just like Jesus loved you. He says, I want you to have the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. And this is so important. And the reason this is important, he goes on to tell us, he says, so that. I want you to have this. Remember, he's praying these prayers. I pray so that. There's a reason that I'm praying this prayer for you. And the reason Paul says he prays this prayer is so that with one mind, he's praying that we have the mind of Christ, that same mind, that same attitude of mind. He says that with one mind and with one voice, you may do what? Yeah, glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that when we are unified together, what happens, one of the results is, is that we bring glory to God the Father. Paul says when, when we live in unity with each other, that's a byproduct of that, that we, we bring glory to the Father. And so, folks, this morning, what we need to understand that if that's true, that when we are unified together, when we love each other really well, when we, we, we share one heart and one mind, and that doesn't mean we always agree on everything with each other. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when we determine that we are going to be unified with each other, if that means that we bring glory to the Father, then maybe when we don't do that, the opposite is true. That when we're disunified, we bring dishonor to the Father. I mean, you know, it, it, when we take those, those swings on Facebook at those high-profile Christian people who say something that we don't necessarily agree with, when, when we take pot shots at each other, when we tear each other down, when we make comments about other Christian people, if, if unity brings glory, then when we do those things, then I believe it means that we op, when we operate in disunity, then it brings dishonor to the Father. Man, I don't want to do that. Do you? No, your head's, this is the way your head should be going right now. <laughs> Just like this. Laura does that to me all the time. So. <laughs> Paul goes on in verse 7. And, and, and we'll come back to this verse and deal with it in more detail in a moment. But he says, he says this. He says, accept one another just as, just as what? Yeah, just as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to do what? Yeah, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. In other words, if you're here this morning... 
and you want to glorify God. How many want to do that? Yeah, we all want to do that. Good. If, if you're here this morning and you want to bring praise to God, one of the ways that you can do this is simply by loving each other. Wow, how awesome is that? That every time we love each other, every time we walk in unity with each other, every time we support each other, every time we say kind words about each other, what we're doing is we are bringing praise to God when we do that. When we accept each other just like Jesus accepted us, this is the prayer of Paul. He, he says, do that so that you would glorify God. Now, in John chapter 17, uh, verses 20 through 23, Jesus prayed a really similar prayer to this. He said these words. He said, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that by all of them may, they may be one, that they may be one. Why? He says, so that they may be brought into complete unity. And so Jesus' prayer is that we may be one, that we as the family of God would be unified. Then this, this is so good. He says, then the world will know, then because they're unified, because of the way that they love each other and care for each other, because of the way they walk in unity, because of the way that they're one, that will cause the world to know, God, that you sent me, Jesus says. And he says that they will know then, that the world will know by the way that they love each other, that you have loved them even as you have loved me. And so the Apostle Paul, he, he prays this prayer for unity. And Jesus prays this prayer for unity. And so it must be a pretty important prayer if the Apostle Paul prayed it and Jesus prayed it. And so, so why is it, my question is, why is it that in the body of Christ, if unity is so important, why is it that we tend to fight so much? Why is that? And I, and I know we would never say this at least out loud, but, but why is it so often that we act like, and I'm not talking about, let, let me just clarify, I'm not talking about in, the church, in our local body here that we just fight a lot, but it seems to be that, you know, a lot of times it's, it's, it's the Lutherans against the Baptists and the Nazarenes against the Methodists and the Methodists against the Catholics. And we, we tend to have this mindset and, and we tend to argue with each other within the body of Christ. And we tend, we wouldn't say this out loud, but oftentimes we operate as if the church down the street are our enemy. Well, guess what? They're not. <laughs> They're not our enemy. I've got news for you this morning. The enemy is the enemy. The, the, the Baptists are not our enemy. And the Charismatics are not our enemy. And sometimes we, we forget that we're all on the same side and we share a common enemy. The enemy is our enemy. And, and so this morning we need to recognize that there is only one enemy and his mission according to Jesus is threefold. His mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the mission of our enemy. And, and what is it that he wants to steal? Well, the number one thing I believe that he wants to steal is the unity in the family of God. Because when he steals our unity, then he can kill the power that the unity brings and he can destroy the credibility of the local church. I mean, when people who aren't in the church listen to the way that we talk about each other, does that bring glory to the Father? 
When somebody who, you know, somebody we work with who, who, who isn't in, the, in, in Christ and he hears the way we talk about some other church, that does not bring glory to the Father. And so here's what I want to do this morning. In an attempt just to kind of motivate you further, if you're not motivated, uh, to make this prayer an ongoing part of your prayer life, I want to give you just three reasons why we individually, collectively ought to pray for unity. Um, the first reason we pray for unity is because we desperately need each other. We, we, we pray for unity because we desperately need each other. We talk about this all the time around here, but in the family of God, we desperately need each other. In Romans chapter 12, Paul, Paul says this, he says, just as your bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. In other words, what Paul is saying here is, he says, the ear is a super important part of the body, as long as it operates like an ear, and as long as it stays attached to the body. In other words, each of us, you know, we, we're, we're given ears that were designed with a very important but very distinct purpose, right? To hear. And apparently... Um, you know, they also have the purpose, the older you get, to grow hair out of. Uh, I don't know what that's all about, but <laughs> primarily they're to hear, okay? But, but our ears have a distinct purpose, and that's to hear. I mean, have you ever tried to pick anything up with your ear? It doesn't work very good. I know that most of us have had children who tried to store something in their ear. That didn't work very good either, but... but you know, it doesn't work when we try to use our ear like a hand. It doesn't work very well. Nor would our ear work very well if it were apart from our body. I believe, what was it, Vincent Van Gogh tried this. It didn't work very well. You know, he's, isn't he the one that cut his ear off, I think? Um, but, but our bodies are comprised, Paul says, of different parts that they work together for a purpose, they each have a special function, and they need to be connected to one another, otherwise we're, we're incomplete. Well, Paul says that we, meaning followers of Jesus, are just like the body, that we're comprised of, of many parts. We are one body, but we still belong to each other. In other words, we here this morning not just individually, but we collectively form a part of a broader body, a broader family. And in this family, we are different by design, on purpose. God did not design every other church to be like this church on purpose. And listen, folks, we need to understand this about unity Unity is not the same as uniformity. Two different things. Unity is different than uniformity. In other words, as Christians, there is actually strength, not weakness. There is strength in our differences. It's a good thing that not everybody's like us. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's a good thing that everybody's not like us. Yeah. Some of you meant that more than maybe you should have, but... It's by design. And so our differences are not intended to separate us. They're simply intended to give us the ability, listen, you need to hear this, 
They're not intended to separate us. They're intended to give us the ability to reach more people. More people. Listen, some, some people are going to be drawn here to Connecting Point who wouldn't be drawn to the Lutheran church down the street. And at the same time, some people are going to be drawn to the Lutheran church down the street that are not going to be drawn to us, right? And, and some people are going to be drawn here to Connecting Point who, who wouldn't be drawn to like Mercy City or City Light or E-Free or Christ Place. And some people are going to be drawn there who wouldn't be drawn here. And what we say to that is this, yay God, <laughs> yay God for that. Because wherever it is that somebody encounters Jesus, whether it's here or there or someplace else, wherever it is, it doesn't matter where it is. What matters most is they met Jesus, right? Because it's not about the place. It's about Jesus. And, and so listen, my hope is this. Actually, um, this just kind of hit me this last week, but this weekend actually marks two years that Laura and I have been your pastors here at Connecting Point. So, yeah. And, and, and my prayer is this, that in those two years, that none of you have ever heard me say anything bad about another church or another denomination. And, and if you do, call me on it. That's one of my goals. I never want to push off any other group of Christians to try and make us look better. I never, I never want to do that. In the, in the church world, sometimes we un, unintentionally do this. You know, it happens all the time. You know, you know, you know we're, we, we're not at all like those uh, boring churches, you know. Or, or, you know, when we do that, when we say things like that, you know, well, we're not at all like, you know, the church of the frozen chosen or whatever. We're not like that. When we do that, what did we do? We just took a shot at somebody else. Or, you know, we're not, we're not like those crazy charismatic tongue talkers, you know? We're not like those sensors, or, uh, I can't even say it now, seeker-sensitive uh, churches, you know? When we do that, when we say, well, we're, we're really not like them, what we're doing is we're just kind of giving a backhanded slap at our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, here's the deal. Nobody cares who we're not like. Let, let's be who God has called us to be and allow them to be who God has called them to be and allow God to do in us what he wants to do and allow God to do in them what he wants to do. And together, then there's no them or thus. There's just us in the body of Christ doing what he's called us to do, being a part of the body, playing our role in the body. Because the reality is this. That the church that we call the chosen frozen is going to reach somebody that we could never reach. And that crazy charismatic church, there's power going on there. And they're going to reach somebody that we could never reach. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is this. If we're going to make a mistake, and we will... But if we're going to make a mistake, and I pray this is the posture of connecting point, you know, we can only control what we do. But my prayer is, if we're going to make a mistake, let's just err on the side of being for other believers rather than against them. Can we err in that way? If we're going to make a mistake, let's, let's do it speaking well 
of other ministries and other movements and other denominations. Let, let, let's avoid, let's just determine that we are going to avoid all of that social media garbage that tears other people down. And how about instead, we just build people up. We just say things that are going to build people up. Now listen, I, I am not at all saying that we will not or should not call blatant error blatant error. I mean, I mean, if somebody says, you know, Jesus, he was just a sinner, just like us. You know, no, no. You know, Jesus, he really wasn't born of a virgin. He was of a normal birth, was a good guy, he was a good teacher, but, you know, he really wasn't God. No. No, we're, we're going to call truth, truth, blatant error. We'll correct that. But when we do that, Scripture tells us that we're to do it out of love, and we can do that in a kind way. Let, let, let's not do, you know, the nitpicky thing. Let's not nitpick over, you know, well, they believe in predestination or they speak in tongues or what, whatever. You know, listen, when we have brothers, listen, when we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world being beheaded because of their faith, how foolish we must look when we argue over garbage like that. I, I hope you all heard the language that I just used. I didn't use bad language if you didn't hear it. but the, the, I used it on purpose. We have brothers and sisters all over the world being beheaded because they are in Christ. If we are in Christ, then they're part of our family. We have family that are losing their lives because they made the same decision we made, and we want to stand around and argue about stupid stuff? Oh, Lord, forgive us. I'll tell you this. We need those brothers and sisters all over the world because sometimes we, we need a, a different perspective. And they need us because we need to pray for them. And we need to be aware. And, and we, need to, we need to recognize the fact that we have an enemy who is doing that to them. And the weapons of our warfare are not physical in nature. They're spiritual. They're able to pull strongholds down. And we believe that there's power in prayer. And we can pray for our brothers and sisters in belief that God will be with them. And maybe God's being with them is giving them the grace to endure being a martyr for Christ. Because every spot where the blood of a martyr is shed, Christians are rising up all over the world. It's not stopping the cause of Christ. It's enhancing the cause of Christ. But we need each other. They need to give us perspective. We need to pray for them. We need to recognize that we have an enemy who's doing all that to our own family. We need to recognize that we're part of a bigger family that's than just us. A family that includes 
Every follower of Jesus Christ, followers in the Philippines, I had a conversation just this last week with Tommy Manet, who was with us, and God's doing incredible things with him and his family and ministry in the Philippines, and believers are rising up all over the place. That's part of our family. Many of you have participated in supporting him and helping him. They're a part of us. We, we, have, we have a family in, in Iraq, followers of Jesus all over Africa and Asia and in every part of the world, from every nation and every tongue who God created just like us. Men, women, and children. Some are rich. Most are poor. That they speak in every language you can imagine, from every ethnic background possible, from every denomination, actually more denominations than you could even name. And yet with all of our differences, we all worship one name. Isn't that amazing? The name of Jesus. You see, folks, we need each other. That's why we pray. We pray for power because we need power. We pray to be active in sharing our faith so that we'll have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. We pray for unity in the family so that God would be glorified and that the world would know that God sent Jesus. We do this because we desperately need each other. The second reason we do this is so the world can see God's love. You see, when we are unified as the family of God, that is something tangible that people can see. In a world where people, you know, I can't see God. Well, let them, let, them, let them see them in us. Let them see them in the way that we love each other. It's a tangible way that people see the demonstration of God in this world is when people passionately love Jesus and they love each other. I love the imagery in Romans chapter 15. When Paul says this, he says, accept one another. Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another just as Jesus accepted you. The, the, the Greek word that Paul uses for accept is a word that I'm not even going to try and pronounce because I would butcher it. It's this long word. If somebody knows it. You can tell it to me later. But, but this word, it's a very um, picture, picturesque. It's, it's a beautiful word. Um, speaking of beautiful, Laura, come, come up here with me. Come up here. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Aren't I lucky? Blessed. So, so this word that the Apostle Paul uses, I want you to help me with this. The, the word that the Apostle Paul uses for accept, it, it carries this imagery of when you accept and receive somebody into your arms and you embrace them. I love this word. It's a wonderful word. This word that Paul uses for accept, it carries this idea when you bring somebody into your arms and you embrace them. Not only that, it also carries with it the connotation of when you take somebody by the hand and you just kind of walk with them. Man, what a beautiful word. He says, accept each other the way that Christ accepted you. So when you were in your sin, when you were disobedient to God, how did he accept you? <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? 
When you gave your life to Christ and you're trying to figure out what it looks like to follow him and it seems like you just can't do it right and you're falling down and you're trying to figure out what it looks like, how did Christ respond to you? What a beautiful picture. Jesus says, accept each other like that. Treat each other like that. Now, guys, if you're not doing that to your wife, I mean, you know, there's limits to this here. So, uh, but, but the idea, the idea is the same. We just, man, what if we just embraced each other in Christ rather than pushing each other away or criticizing each other? What if we just determined, you know what, if you're in Christ, I'm going to lock arms with you. I'm going to grab hands with you. I'm gonna, it was a, uh, when I was in Africa, one of the things I had to get used to was the men held hands whenever they would go anywhere. They would walk somewhere as friends. And so I'd be walking along, and one of my African brothers would come up and grab my hand. And I was like, oh, wait a second, you know. <laughs> We don't do that in the States. A different culture. But there was this idea. There was this idea that was carried with it, man. Wherever you're going, I'm going with you. We're kind of in this thing together. We're just going together. Well, what if we determine that we're going to accept God or we're going to accept other people the way that he has accepted us? Let's just do that. Give Laura a hand. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, you know, we, we, we need to find tangible ways that we appropriately express our love to one another. And, and we, 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 we certainly don't do that. We don't do what Paul is talking about by bashing other Christians on Facebook in the name of Jesus. But, but when we accept one another hand in hand and we walk together and we embrace each other, when we do that, what happens is our reputation begins to build and the reputation of God is enhanced. And, and Lord knows our reputation needs to build. The reality is it does. Instead of being known what we're against, how about we just become known what we're for? We are... We are 100% for people experiencing the grace and the love and acceptance of Jesus. How about we just became known for that? that? That what we are for, we are for people who were created in the image of Christ, and we are for loving people exactly where they're at. We're for embracing people in the midst of their hurts and brokenness. We're for grabbing somebody by the hand and saying, Let, you don't have to go through this alone. Let me go through it with you. What if we just became known for that? In John chapter 13, Jesus says this. He says, I want to give you a brand new command. And, and, and this is the new command I want to give to you. Everybody say it out loud. He said, love one another, right? I want to give you this new command. You just love one another as I has, have loved you. So you must love one another. You must love one another. This is the new command. And, and, and watch this. The next verse is so powerful. He says, by this, by the way that you love each other, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, they're not going to know that you're my disciples just because you can stand up and you can pontificate on a scripture or something like that. They're not going to know you're my disciples just because you can tell somebody all of the wrong things that they're doing in your life or in their life. They're going to know that you're my disciples because you love each other really, really well. Man, this is so powerful. There's only one way that the world is going to know that we follow Jesus. One way, the Bible says, and that is if we love one another, they will know. 
And so, folks, this is why we got to pray. Because honestly, I don't always feel like loving you. Man, I thought I'd get one laugh out of that. I really <laughs> got to work on my jokes. But it's true, right? We don't always feel like loving each other. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves, and sometimes we rub each other wrong, and we need to pray that God would help us to love each other well. And we pray that we believe that God hears and he answers our prayers. We pray because we believe that our prayers matter. And we believe that if we humble ourselves and seek God through prayer, he actually hears us. We believe that, right? And so when we pray, God, would you help us to love really well, we believe that he will answer our prayers. We believe God hears us. That's why we pray. That's why we don't have time to pray these small, these, these generalized prayers. Because we're praying to a God who is listening to us, waiting for us to pray big and specific prayers, faith-filled prayers, passionate prayers. And, and I got to tell you, it, it, it takes great faith to pray for a very divided capital C church. Uh, you know, it takes great faith to pray that God would unify his church and that as brothers and sisters in Christ that we would stand together. But we have to pray this way because scripture says that that is the way that the world will see God's love when we're unified. The third reason it's important that we pray for unity, this is actually one of our core values around here. We talk about this all the time, but the third reason is simply because we're just better together, right? We're better together. We can do infinitely more together than we can do by ourselves. And listen, this was the heartbeat. This was the attitude of the first century church. This is what made that church absolutely thrive. I mean, think about it. What did they have? They had no buildings. They had no programs, no fundraisers. And what did they have against them? Massive persecution, <laughs> I mean, being a follower of Jesus could get you, like, dead. And so people, you know, people in those days, they weren't just treating or tweeting hurtful comments about the pastors. They were taking the lives of anybody who claimed to be a follower of Jesus. And yet, this, this little band of uneducated, under-resourced, first-century Jesus followers were used to spread the gospel all over the world. And they were known by people all throughout their community who said, you know what, I don't know about all that resurrection stuff that they believe in. But wow, isn't it something the way they love each other? I mean, I don't know about all that stuff that they believe in, but man, those guys just, they really love each other. I love the way that Luke describes this in Acts chapter 4. He says that all of the believers were in one heart and one mind. What, what, what does that mean? It means they were unified. That they were all of one heart and one mind. And then he goes on to say, he says, man, talk about unity. He says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. So next week, everybody's going to bring all their, no, we're not going to do that. 
But, but in this time, in this season, in this, in, this, in this culture, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything that they had. I mean, you talk about next level, crazy love. I mean, that is a commitment to a family like anything I've ever seen or experienced. In fact, in another uh, portion of Acts, it says that these crazy people loved God and they loved each other so much that they would actually take their possessions and they would sell them and they would give the money to the leaders of the church and say, you know what, you disperse it where it needs to be dispersed. And so if they saw a person in need, they would give it to whoever was in need. And, and just listen to the result of this crazy kind of unified love. In verse 33, it says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, not just one. God's grace was so powerfully at work within them all that there were no needy persons among them. Do you see the power in that kind of unity? Every need was met by God through the family of God. But that could only happen because they had the ability, God had given them the ability not to see themselves as individual Christians, but they saw themselves rather as a family who were connected to each other. That they saw themselves as a part of a larger body that needed each other and that wanted more than anything to demonstrate the tangible love of God. And they wanted to do that in such a way that they recognized when they loved each other, it would speak volumes to the people who were skeptics around them. Can, can, can you just imagine this with me for a moment? I wonder what would happen if we actually had the same attitude that these early believers had. I wonder what people would say about us. You know, man, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I'm not sure I buy into that whole raise from the dead thing. I'm not sure about all that stuff they believe. But, oh, man, do you see the way those people love each other? I mean, you can't deny those people really love each other. Do you see how they take care of their own? Do you see how generous they are with us? You see, folks, I'm going to argue all day long that the world is sick and tired of just hearing about the love of Jesus. What they desperately want is to see and experience the love of Jesus. The world is sick and tired of just hearing about the love of Jesus. They want to they see it. They're, they're sick and tired of us talking about the love of Jesus in one breath and then just totally dismantling each other in the next. And I believe this with all of my heart. People still want and need love. It's the one thing that we share. And love is irresistible. And when you talk about the love of Jesus, man, when it, is, when it is genuinely expressed, it is so irresistible. And one of the ways that people will see his love is when we genuinely love each other. So that's why we need to pray this prayer. This is not a Lord bless me prayer. 
This is a prayer for the family of God. And so I'm encouraging, I'm challenging us as a church to pray for the power to understand how much God loves us. Pray that we'll be active in sharing our faith and pray for unity in the family of God. Why? So that God will be glorified and that, we'll pe- and that people will know that he sent Jesus for them. Do you know what would happen if we actually did that? If millions of believers in every city, every village, every tribe, every nation of the world, if all of us who claim the name of Jesus, if we all stood together and said, you know what, what we have exists for the glory of God, think of what we could do together. I'm going to argue all day long that if we would do that, within a year, starvation would be eliminated from the world. I believe that God has already given us the resources to do that. We're so disunified. It hadn't happened. I believe that within a year, every person who doesn't have access to clean drinking water this morning would have it. If the church was just unified and said, you know what? What God has given to us, he has called us to utilize it for his glory and to demonstrate the glory and the love of Jesus in a world that desperately needs to hear it. I believe that everyone who doesn't have clean drinking water this morning would have it within a year. I I, I believe... (laughs) That if every person who called themselves a Christian would stand together and say, you know what, no more. We're going to take the resources that God has given to us and we're going to be united for the glory of God. Within a year, every orphan in the world would be adopted into a loving and caring family. I believe that. You see, this is why it's important. And this is why the enemy doesn't want us to be united because he knows that if as believers of Jesus we would just be unified in no time at all, every person alive would not just hear about the love of Christ, but they would experience it in a tangible way. I want to ask you, is that too big of a dream? Is that too big for God? Do we believe that God is a big enough God that we could pray big prayers for? I know we're just a little tiny church in Connecting Point in Lincoln, Nebraska. What in the world could we do? I'll tell you what we could do. We could pray really big prayers. What would happen if it began with us? What would happen? One of my dreams is what would happen if the churches in Lincoln would become unified and not so territorial and say, you know what? It's about taking the city for Jesus. It's not about just me building a church for my own sake. What would happen if we just did that? See, I believe that what Jesus wants to do is way bigger than what could be contained within the walls of Connecting Point. Because he's not concerned about just growing little churches. He's concerned about taking cities for the sake of Jesus. Is that too big of a prayer? Is it too big of a dream? Is it too big for God? I don't think so. In fact, I believe not only is it not too big for God, I believe with all my heart that it is God's will. And he has promised us that if we pray anything according to his will, that it would be done. If we're committed to pray for it. And and, and I believe that the, the capital C church 
When we determine that we're going to stand together and we're going to stop taking pot shots at each other and instead we begin to act like we're actually part of the same family, the family of God, and we brace our higher calling with a higher purpose in order to serve a higher God, that he will be glorified. And his word says when we magnify him in that way that he will draw them in unto himself. But, but we get to play a part in it. And so we pray for unity. I'm going to ask the band to come Help us as we close things out this morning. As we do, I want to invite you to take just a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, my prayer this morning is that we would be unified. That you would unite us as one and that, that, that you would be glorified. And that the world would know that you sent Jesus. I, I, I ask you, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would lead Connecting Point to be a church who prays. That you would awaken us. And you would draw us back to what our first work is to be, and that is to be a people who pray and invite your Spirit to do what only you can do. So we pray this morning. We pray, first of all, for power. We need your spiritual power. We, we need your power that, that, that the Spirit of Christ might dwell within us. and We need your power to know how much you love us. And so that, so that by knowing how much you love us, that we can glorify you in all that we do. This morning, God, we pray that you would help us to be active in sharing our faith. I pray, Father, that people would come to know you and that we would have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ because we are active in sharing our faith. That's your promise. And Father, this morning I pray for unity. I, I pray, Father, that, that you would do this work first in me and then work in the body of Christ. And Father, I pray for unity. I pray that you would help us to err on the side of being four other Jesus followers and not assuming the worst. And God, help us to assume the best and to do whatever we can to bring, our, to, to, to bring um, in, in our part what you want us to do, to partner with other believers all around the world. And God, this morning, I especially pray for those who are being persecuted in other parts of the world, our brothers and sisters in you. We pray that by any means possible that you would protect them. And God, for those who lose their lives in the name of Jesus, help us not to forget those are our brothers and sisters. And God, we know that you count them as heroes. And we count them as heroes in the kingdom even more. God, help us as your family, do not just sit idly by and do nothing. Father, we, we pray because we believe that prayer is powerful. And so, Father, we pray that through your power, you would do whatever it is that you want to do in us to make a difference in the world around us. We confess we need you this morning. With every head still bowed and eyes closed, I don't know, maybe there's somebody here this morning 
we've been talking about unity in the body. We've been talking about unity in the family. And maybe you have never taken that step to say, you know what, Jesus, I want to be in your family. I want to accept your invitation to be in your family. You see, through Jesus' death on the cross, he made a way for every single one of us, regardless of our background, regardless of what we've done, regardless of where we've been, regardless of our failures, regardless of our rebellion, Jesus Christ on the cross took upon himself all of our mess so that we would have a path to the Father, so that we could be part of this family that is intended to love each other. And he said, the way that you enter into the, the family is, is pretty simple. I've already paid the price, so you don't have to do anything. You just got to accept what I've done for you. You just got to ask me. You just got to acknowledge the fact that, that you're a sinner and that you can't do it on your own. And, that, and so you confess your sin. Jesus, I'm a sinner. And you invite him to be the leader of your life. It's not my life anymore. I don't call the shots anymore. And so I don't know, maybe there's somebody here this morning and your heart's beating fast. And you feel that tug to say yes. Would you just slip up your hand? I I, I don't want to embarrass you in any way. I just want to say a prayer for us this morning and include you generally in that prayer. But anybody here this morning, just lift up your hand and say, I want to make that decision. I, I, I want to ask Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins. I want to ask him to be the leader of my life. Anybody here? Father, we thank you this morning that you continually give us the invitation. And I know we're in a place where a good number of us have already said yes to that, but in a room like this, I just can't help but believe that there are some of us who you've been calling and we haven't said yes yet. I'm so thankful that you continue to call. Don't, don't quit on us. Draw us even this week. Lord, help us again to be people who love each other. And we know the only way that we can do that is because you have placed your spirit in us. It's that same spirit that, that compelled Jesus to pay the price that he paid. It's the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. That same spirit that was at work in him is at work within us. And by your spirit, may we live lives of unity this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to introduce a new song to you this morning. It's an original song, and I believe that God is doing a work in our church. I don't think it's coincidence that the season that we're in as a church is God-given. And it's scary and there's unknowns, but what a message that Pastor Doug has prayed, that he's lived out, that he's given to us this morning, one of unity. So as we play this song, I encourage you to listen. I encourage you to join along. And my prayer would be that it would become a cry of your heart. Worship with us. You spoke the word and there were mountains. You spoke
this church God that we would recognize that there is nothing that we can do for your kingdom in our own power but Jesus when you left this earth you gave us a promise and that promise was that you would gift us your spirit the very spirit that created this world the very spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of us God You've given us all the authority that we need. You've given us the ability that we need to reach this world for you. And as Pastor Doug just preached this morning, God, all that takes is a little bit of love. An unconditional love that you have lavished upon us, God. That you have modeled for us perfectly. So God, if our tanks are a little bit empty, if we're sick of kind of doing this on our own, God, may our cry be that you would fill us up, that you'd fill us up fresh and anew every single day so that out of the overflow, people would know that there's something different about us and that something different would be your spirit inside of us, pushing us to love one another. We give you all the glory and all the praise, God. You're the reason that we're here. We love you and we praise you. May we be unified as we leave. We love you. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen and amen. Before you go, I have a couple requests. For those of you that filled out a Connect card, you can drop those in the black bucket right in the middle on your way out today. Uh, that'd be great. Also, because of our Thanksgiving dinner tonight, we need some help just kind of tearing down this room. So if you're available and you don't have to go right away, if you could help us out, that would be great. Be blessed as you go. Have a great week.